Hey, it's Jess, and welcome to The Heart Strong, a podcast where we explore navigating the challenges in our lives. It's my personal mission to guide you towards your greatest potential. So come along with me as we explore living with courage, or as I put it, living heart strong. So welcome to the HeartStrong Podcast. I'm so glad that you're here today. And today I'm sitting down with my friend and colleague, Michelle Loffman. You're going to meet her in a minute. But I wanted to tell you why I'm so excited about this podcast today. We're going to talk about the power of storytelling to help businesses and people motivate change, have stronger social impact, and experience more success in their mission. We're also going to define what storytelling means in the context of business and how it creates influence and how you can find your story in your influence. And why am I so excited about this podcast? Because I love brand marketing and brand building. Um, It's really my background and I always thought it was going to be my career. I thought that's how I'd spend my career doing this. So it's super fun to talk about and it's one of my favorite topics and passions. Like I could talk about it for hours But I've seen the power of storytelling in creating the Ethan Lindbergh Foundation and in building the HeartStrong brand. And so I expect this episode to be really practical. So if you have a pen and paper, feel free to get it out, make some notes in your phone. But I also expect you to be really inspired. And finally, I invited Michelle because I'm actually a client of hers. She's been working with me and with the foundation. And I've seen her gifts gifts up close. And she's reminded me to reconnect with my own story. So Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jessica. It's an honor to be here today and speak with you. Yeah, I'm really excited. This is going to be so fun. So let's start talking about how you fell in love with story. Like who introduced you to this concept and and how did it kind of find its way into something that you just couldn't stop thinking about? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I first fell in love with story really as a child because I grew up with a grandmother who had a rich story herself. So um, you may hear me refer to her as Oma because Oma is the German word for grandma. So um, so Oma um, actually grew up in Germany, was born and raised there and saw um, Hitler come to power during her teenage years. So just imagine being a teenager um, and, and having the political upheaval of, of Germany at that time and post-World War One, Right. So, um, so she had this rich story of, of her life in Germany and surviving World War II, nearly starving to death, coming over on a boat on a two-week journey, which was the traditional form of transportation at the time, with my mother and my uncle in tow to meet my grandfather, who was there a year ahead of time to establish a life for the family because it was, you know, they, were, they just needed a new start. So my grandmother had this rich story. I'm very proud of the heritage. I also realized it was a hard story because they were entering a country um, at the time in in America where there was a lot of hostility towards Germans, Um, understandably so because of of the sentiment post-World War II of a war they didn't want after World War I, right? Mm -hmm. So so I've, I've learned a lot about the adversity that my grandmother overcame, but she was also just this avid storyteller. I think the art of bedtime stories might be a little lost. And she didn't read books to us. She just told us stories of her childhood, of of, um, imaginative stories of her um, growing up in Catholic school and like funny stories with priests. So there was always story in our, our, I guess I called our DNA, right? Hmm. And even in her home, my grandmother only really had um, National Geographic and Reader's Digest. So I just remember those were the only materials I had as a child 
to access. And even though I didn't understand National Geographic as, you know, let's say a 10 year old, what they were talking about, the photos are so poignant that you can't not help but, you know, be absorbed into it. And Reader's Digest was something I could understand even as a child. So, so story was just integrative for me from really, as I would say from birth, really, because it's, it's my origin story too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that is, that is probably the genesis of story in my life. And so how did you go from, let's talk a little bit about your background too, just in your career, how you kind of, that's kind of been a through line for you, right? And how you've built your career and now the business that you have. And and why I, I want to bring this to light is because I think we all have through lines in our stories that sometimes we don't see. And it's, and, and when we find them, like, that's where I think we find our sort of gold of what we're, our, work our calling is. I think you found that. So I wanted to call that out, but just tell us a little bit about this through line through your career into like where you find yourself today in your business. Yeah. So yeah, I love the idea of a through line in a, a personal and a career story. So, so the through line really for me started when I was um, actively looking at colleges and trying to figure out my career path. And I, if I'm really being honest, I always wanted a career in journalism. And for some reason, I never chose that. And I don't know if I mm-hmm. was talked out of it because of a fear of me being in war zones, you know, you know, a, a good as good parents are, are cautious of their children's future, right? Sure. Or, or if I just at the time had to choose a practical decision, I, I don't remember. But what I do recall is um, I chose a um, career in marketing, and it was just the practical. It was like the practical business thing to do, but marketing seemed like the more creative side of of business, right? The less boring part of business. <laughs> so I actually pursued a career. I, I got my marketing degree from Clemson University back in two thousand two, and then I journeyed through advertising, public relations, even building up to um, sales and marketing leadership roles, and then my last role before I left to start my own business was as a fractional chief marketing officer. So I'd build the marketing foundations for um, businesses, help them get established, make a lot of money, and then move, you know, help them basically sustain themselves. But um, throughout that journey, I was very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Disillusioned is the wrong word. I just felt like I was a misfit. Like I knew something was missing and I couldn't figure out why. And then I felt guilty because I felt ungrateful for um, not being appreciative of, of the jobs and the work I had. And so I saw a business coach who really helped me unpack. And, and we unpacked my history and my my own family origin story. And she said, Michelle, you, you are a storyteller. Even, even what you like to watch and read, you love biographies, you love documentaries, you always t- talk about story this is really what you need to pursue. And so that's great. So I had this aha idea and it helped me to understand why some of the traditional marketing roles didn't make make sense. So let's let's use advertising as, as an example. It's creative, it's fun, it's punchy, but we're ultimately selling. I just felt like I needed a soul connection with what I was doing and with other humans, right? Even if it was talking about them um, or, or relating to them through story. And so that's great. I had that aha moment, but then it was, well, now what, what do I do with this great idea of you love storytelling? And I started to seek examples of how I could use storytelling as a business. Um, and what I've seen is Toyota and Nike have been doing story really well. And they've, they've done this years ahead of 
um, I would say, where the trend is going to happen now. And I thought, well, you know, maybe human interest stories are not practical from a financial perspective. Even if I have a dream of doing that, of creating a digital magazine for human interest stories, marketing isn't the the sole connection that I want with my business, but I could do both. I can use my marketing background. I can use the integrative power of storytelling and marketing to help businesses, entrepreneurs, nonprofits, creatives be more effective. So that's essentially the foray from my career, which I had thought had taken a misstep in to um, the genesis of that idea too, of storytelling um, and being, I would call an integrative storyteller if I had to create a job title. Mm-hmm. So let's, I want to talk a little bit about like where, you know, that sort of come from in terms of how brands are operating. But first for the audience, I just want to define what, how do you define brand storytelling? So, okay. So I'll give you a simple definition of brand story. So it really combines facts and feelings through a framework of statements, which are designed to invite your clients or your customers, your donors into your journey. So Simon Sinek years ago said in 2009, which is crazy because it's still relevant today, that people will always buy based on your why. And if you think about the, um, the pandemic, the volatility that we've had, and the um, and the rise even of artificial intelligence is we are actually still feels like a little disconnected, separated, even robotic. And so why is really important. So to circle back to the definition, I told you it's really combining facts and feelings and, and, and inviting you into um, a positive feeling about your business, right? We're inviting, we're creating a perception around your business through story. But think about your English class. I'll break down the definition of brand storytelling a bit more. Um, if you if you remember, your English teacher probably said, when you're writing an essay, you have to have who, what, when, where, why, and how. And I would say, who cares, right? So we're, mm-hmm. we're really, we got to think about that as a business. And so those elements are what really comprise your brand story, right? It's the simple framework of the things that invite them into your mission. You're leading them up to your why, and you're asking them to join you along the journey and continuing to relate to them through the power of story. Because as humans, we see ourselves in story, we relate to it, and we want to take action as a result of it. So that is the less um, simplified version of brand storytelling but I hope that gives you a summary of sort of the what and why it matters. Yeah. I almost see storytelling and story as like the portal from where you are to where I am. That's how we kind of connect with each other and why I think it's so powerful, especially today in a very divisive culture that we're living in. Mm -hmm. If you really, I was actually talking to somebody the other day at like pick up at school and we were talking even about like current politics and we were just sharing different, points of view and we know each other well enough that we could do that but it's like you realize when you talk about story and you know where people are coming from like we're not that different it's Mm -hmm. such a uniting factor that I think that's why it is powerful and so I want to talk about why you think this is like this human interest component is is so current in marketing and kind of in brand building and where it's going and I want to also bring in the more of the why you know you talked about Simon Sinek he has a book I think it says start with why I mean it, he's he's been around for a while but th- this is a very core 
sort of component of, I think, what makes a successful personal and, and professional brand. Correct. Yeah. And so I will say probably the best way I can uh, answer that question is, um, is based on my why. And you're talking about how, um, you know, even with politics, it's really important to, you know, dig a little deeper into um, the reason behind some of the opinions and the, uh, I guess, the perspectives that we have. So for me, story is really important because it's really creating a relational understanding and global impact. So stories have been with us since literally day one. You think about um, it, whether you're um, religious and, and think the Bible, look at the Bible as the creation story, um, the greatest love story, whether you look at um, caveman drawings. I mean, story has been with us literally since the day of our, our beginning. And we crave um connection through story. Mm-hmm. I think the second you hear someone's story, you start to finally have compassion and empathy. And mm-hmm. that's the most important thing to me. So it has a place in humanity always, but it will always have a place for business because as businesses, I think we have to remind ourselves that there are still humans running businesses. There are humans supporting businesses, which is also the reason sometimes the corporate um, companies, like the really extra large ones out there, get a lot of flack because they feel so inhuman. And mm-hmm. so, so the why, you know, is inviting them into the mission and showing them, so showing your prospects, your donors, that there is something much bigger than profit. That there's a mission to be had, and that we want to invite you along this journey. But we're doing this through the power of story, creating relational understanding, building empathy, building compassion, and then using that to then make impact, whatever that looks like, you know, social impact, um, you know, just transformative impact, whatever that might be. So I want to, this isn't in my notes, but I want to, it came to me while you were saying this. So I want to talk about it for a second, because you mentioned big companies. Mm -hmm. And you know, one of the things that I think is is interesting that I've noticed is that you have these big companies and they do attempt to use story, but people can sniff out an inauthentic story, right? Oof. So I'd love to talk about that for a second because I think we're seeing that in our culture. Like, and I, you know, in my world, I operate in the healthcare culture a lot with my son. Um, I've paid a, ton, a lot of attention to how we're doing education because of my kids. So we have, you know, insurance companies, all of these different things, which are nece- essentially for people, right? I mean, they are created to help people, but mm-hmm. there's this huge disconnect because I think they're telling inauthentic stories that actually aren't connecting with the end user or with the customer so that the trust factor is missing. So can we just talk for a second about, yes, you want a story, but it also has to be an authentic story. I know we're going to get to like some of that a little bit later, but it just came to me as I was sitting here because nothing's worse than watching a business or an organization have an inauthentic story. And you, then you're, then it's even worse. Yeah. I would agree with that. And I'm just taking some notes here while you were talking, because I had submitted uh, a quote to somebody about what I think is really important in business. And I am really emphasizing the point of stories to humanize business. Um, So I have a couple of thoughts on your question about 
or comments about businesses who seem authentic. They're trying to use story, but they don't know how. So I think first and foremost, we need to separate the difference between marketing and and storytelling, um, just because I understand the difference between both. So marketing is, I would say, my opinion and my definition is sharing and selling, right? So I have a product, I have a service, this is why you should buy it, go get it. Um, And we need that because this is how we find out what's available and accessible to us as consumers, as donors, whatnot. Um, Storytelling, however, is connecting, relating, and influencing. So through the object of humanity. And so healthcare, I would agree with you, Jessica, is interesting to me because I think they're always fighting this battle of like, we help, you know, all these people, but they never really get to the heart of the issue. It tends to be more about them as the business, as the provider, than it is about the person that they're helping. Um, And we'll talk about this a little bit later, but why those don't work is because you typically have a marketing person or an advertising person who's creating that. There is such a difference between marketing and I would call it brand journalism is being a reporter, being an investigator, being a um, nonfiction writer, a creative nonfiction writer for a brand. And stories don't have to be long, but um, you're right. People can smell BS right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And um, the problem is that there usually isn't a way... For well, I wouldn't say wait. Sometimes some businesses feel like they have to sanitize the story because of legal reasons, right? And I am trying to encourage some of the clients I'm working with, like not like nonprofits, to say um, there's nothing illegal about what we're doing. If people are willing to share the story, you're not promising, mm-hmm. and you're just delivering a message that someone has said that has transformed their lives. And you can't be necessarily the creator of the message. You have to be the um, the usher of the message, right? So kind of what I'm, I've been doing with you is I'm not making up your story. I'm just helping you find what it is. We're mining the story. We're defining the story and we're making it authentic. And so that's what's authentic. But the second someone else defines a story for a person that they don't even know, haven't met, or make it ad copy, it's, it's not a story. It's marketing. It's, it's, you know? it's selling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's selling. It's selling. Again, you need it, but that's different than story. That's not relating. That is, we've got something you need and this is why you should buy it. So, well, and, and I think what, what storytelling is doing in the way you're talking about is it's trust building. It's -hmm. connection building. It's hard to sell something if you haven't first built that connection, right? Right. So, so let's talk about your why because, and like how you found it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, once you found it, what did you decide to do with it? I think it would be a really good example for people to like see this sort of in real life. Yeah. So, um, part of how do I found, how I found my why is partly through my business coach and, and discovering the fact that story does have the power for relational understanding relational repair and for global impact. So that's one piece of it. But, but like I said, I got that, that, you know, aha light bulb moment and, and it happened about, it happened around the time I left my full-time job and decided to go on my own, but it still felt nebulous. You know, what do I do with this why that I have in storytelling? And less than six months later, I found myself uh, getting emergency blood transfusions 
because I had um, tumors in my uterus, which were just one of many, many health issues that had happened. And it declined very, very quickly. Wow. And so in my journey, my illness, my chronic illness, which stemmed from heavy metal toxicity, mold toxicity that influenced autoimmune, um, a lot of pain and loss and life shifts forced me to do something with my story. Because what happened is I just had pain, um, emotional, mental pain, and uh, along with the physical pain that was unchanneled. I needed to do something with it. And so being the creative that I am, I had to like share it out. I was sharing, um, like I, I shared that I was in the ER, um, that I had to get blood transfusions, that I was really scared. I couldn't understand what was going on. The doctors were not giving me their proper diagnoses. Um, just my journey into finding information and also what I was eating, what I was not eating, like cleaning up toxins in my food and my makeup and my environment. And um, it really inspired people to make change. So to segue back to story is what I realized is my story had power. And I had so many friends who came to me and they were first shocked that I was even that sick because maybe six months before um, maybe six months before my husband and I had just, we went to Peru and we did a four day trek through the Andes mountains, um, to see Machu Picchu and a few other sites. Oh, wow. So, awesome. so how do you go from thanks. So you go from that to I could hardly get out of bed. Um, and so I can continued to share my story of what I was learning, how I was healing, what I was afraid of. Um, even just the emotional pain that I was going through and connecting with other community members who had chronic illness. And when I saw my friends make changes, um, stop using toxic products, you know, and their cleaning supplies, their makeup, when they were going to alternative doctors like functional medicine to help their kids see healing, when they were um, struggling with infertility and started to understand there could be a root cause to that, I started to see that power had the influence to make change because if I looked healthy and um, active and I like hit ground zero very quickly and, and very, uh, was very, I was very scared. Um, what's to say no one else could too. And so that circles back to the why of my story of um, we're creating relational understanding, empathy, and we're creating impact. So that's a lengthier way of saying that my illness was really, I would say, furthering the catalyst of the dream that I had, the enlightening, lightning moment of you're a storyteller, Michelle. Hmm. And you saw the power of it and you saw that it helped people make change. So from there, you said, I want to be a brand storyteller, right? I mean, that's kind of it with that. And from there, is that where your business kind of took off after you were able to get yourself sort of through that initial stage of your illness? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So prior to that, I was doing, um, you know, I was still in my marketing career and um, I was still doing, uh, I was doing photography a lot too, but I was still doing like families and occasional weddings. And I it just, it, I realized when, you know, when you're really sick and you have to make decisions based on the um, level of energy you have, the mental strength and you know, capacity you have, it becomes very obvious that um, it became obvious to me. I had to make some really um, hard decisions. And it just occurred to me that I thought, well, did I waste 20 years in marketing? No, 
20 years of marketing built me to have a great marketing foundation, but then the power of story through my history, my family, my illness made me realize that um, I can do something with this. So really to explain that better is my why is relational understanding, relational repair um, and global impact. But the what is really um, helping other businesses use their brand story to create that same impact in relational understanding using multimedia tools. So photography, writing, consulting, and even video is something that I'm trying to get more into in this coming year. And so when we see the power of other people's story, we're more likely to make change. And that's my vision. I want others to be able to make change through that. Hmm. That's, that's, beautiful. The, that's the of my business, you know? So yeah, so yeah. I'm born a little bit more quickly and effectively out of, out of pain, out to of be pain. quite right. Mm-hmm. Which I think is, you know, I, I recorded a podcast not long ago and it, with a with a woman who has created like an amazing business out of basically the death of her daughter. She really just created this. His, it, it was just, we talked about entrepreneurship and grief. But as I was preparing for that podcast, I read this quote that, and I'm not going to get it right, but it was like, if you look at the world, the amazing art, the music, the sculptures, the cities, the the athletic pursuits of, of if you really know how many of those have come out of pain, personal mm-hmm. deep pain and grief that mm-hmm. has created the immense beauty in the world. Like we don't stop to think about that. And so I just wanted to call that out because mm-hmm. what you did though, and I, this is the other thing is you got, you were honest about where you were. You, you leaned into what you had and then you said, what am I going to do with this? Which is really like, what the HeartStrong brand is all about to me is it's deciding to make a choice to grow and to impact through our stories. And so that's what you're doing. And so if someone's listening and they're like, I have this hard thing and I'm stuck, well, there might be some gold in there for you to mine through to find a, something for you to move forward. And so I just wanted to say that because you ju- you do, you've done that, you are doing that. Mm-hmm. And I think people desire that in their life. And yet I think it's a hard thing for people to do. Agreed. Yeah. I think sometimes we don't know what to do with pain or, or in, and and thank you for acknowledging that by the way, Jessica, Um, but we don't know what to do with our pain or it feels too painful to process the pain or, um, or even um, we just feel like our dreams are lost. So if I'm being perfectly honest, I, I remember getting that like aha light bulb moment of your storyteller and trying to figure out what to do. And then it all fell apart. And I'm, and I, and I mean, in a big way, like I was spending more than I made on medical care. I mean, to me, the dream was dead. Like, mm. and I remember being almost angry too. And I'm a person of faith and being angry at God. Like, why would you give me this vision? Why would you put these people in my life? Give me this vision and then not do anything, you know, like let me fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, and I think really the reality is I had to go through that pain for, for multiple reasons, both for storytelling, but also just, I think, to a right align uh, some s- specific health things that if I'm being honest, I was not taking good care of my body um, in different ways, right? Um, and uh, I think that's the challenge a lot of people go through is they have pain and circumstances and they they feel like now my dream is dead when the reality is just kind of on delay or, mm-hmm. or in a transformative process, like a metamorphosis that we have to go through to um, be the better, the next level, the better version of ourself. And, and it's hard for um, us to sometimes channel that pain. And so I was just fortunate enough to do that through my creative gifts, but I completely 
respect and relate to. And, and my heart goes out to people who are having a hard time doing that when it feels like all you see is this world that you're in with pain and suffering, whether it's your own or someone else's. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And there's a way, way through, which we always want to give hope um, and sort of a vision for that. Yeah. So, you know, now that you have this brand, you're, you're working, you're a brand storyteller, you have this business, like who benefits most from brand storytelling? What types of businesses or organizations do you see really gravitating toward this idea? Yeah. So I would say there are, to make it easy, about four types of businesses that can benefit from brand storytelling. First, and the obvious one are nonprofits, right? There are so many rich stories to share from both the people that you help um, to volunteers, to the founder story. There's usually a reason that the nonprofit came into being, and it's really important for people to know that and connect to that story. Um, I would say service-based businesses. So think about coaches, counselors. Um, we, your mom and I work together on mm-hmm. right? She's really unique because she's a career counselor. And so your mom takes a unique approach because she understands the pragmatics of um, resumes, job skills, et cetera. But she's really there to walk alongside her clients in their pain of feeling confused and maybe societally pressured to work a certain job. So her brand story was really fun for me because I got to really um, share the heart of her mission behind it. So that's a a good example, service-based businesses. It could even be hairstylists or um, people who are doing something more unique in a saturated industry. That's really important Mm. to mention because your story is really important, but we have a lot of service-based providers, educators out there, and there's a lot of skepticism because people have had bad experiences with them, customers have. So that's really important is to um, use service-based um, businesses to um, have, sorry, have service-based businesses use stories in their um, in their marketing. So creators is definitely a one I would also recommend as a, a type of business that should use story. Um, I'm working with a pair of authors who are launching a book about eating disorders, and it's a mm. very unique book. And I think it's going to really revolutionize the industry, both in therapeutic care of therapists who are offering treatment for clients to um, recover from eating disorders and even identify them sooner, and for readers to almost have therapy themselves, but have practical tools to understand why their eating is out of control, whether it's um, anorexia, bulimia or something else. And so that's a really interesting, um, uh, I guess, target market, because when you're authoring a book and you know it's special, unless you're already a big deal and you get a big book deal from a big publisher, it's it's so hard to um, get the word out there. So your marketing is really important. And unfortunately for the authors, they after they've done the painstaking process of writing the book, they are also trying to launch it into the world and that's confusing. And, and, you know, so the message has to be really tight and we have to use the power of story to keep relating. So it's the same thing. And then, so we talked about nonprofits, service-based businesses and creators, people like authors. And then the last one are influencers. Um, And Jessica, this reminds me a little bit of you too, is um, people who are trying to either start a movement or are sharing wisdom. It feels very nebulous to them. So Um, And they need some clarity around what they're offering. I'll give a quick example of this. I had a um, client, it was a husband and wife team, and they are um, faith-based and they wanted to use um, kind of a content platform to share, quite frankly, wisdom. 
and helping mm-hmm. men and women heal from their past trauma to grow in their faith. So a lot of times we just are very stuck in this little cycle and we don't feel like we can experience the fullness of God in our lives because because we've had trauma in our past. And so we're like, what's wrong with us? And why don't I feel fulfilled and full? And what they are helping to do is to help people be released from those trauma cycles and, and experience the fullness of their faith. And so that's awesome. It's a movement. But how do you say that, like, I'm selling content, right? Right, right. Content, right? So that's a good example of influencers who are starting a movement or some kind of um, healing uh, content that might help others to find transformative release in that. And so that's the fourth audience I would recommend that would have um, a a strong benefit from brand storytelling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's – and is there one that you think is most challenging – to work with or most challenging to help? I think typically, so service-based are, and nonprofits I think are easy because yeah. there's really defined focus. I would say the influencers who are starting a movement or offering um, wisdom is a little bit more challenging. And for me, the brand storytelling for influencers, um, movement makers um, is actually more exciting for me because they're doing something that's really big. And so it challenges me to ask more creative questions and to dig very deep into um, who they are. And a lot of times the person is really the brand itself too. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to understand the person and the business. So we, we get to the heart and then also to the what, because at the end of the day, if even if it's a movement, you're trying to make money off of it. You know, you think the Simon Sinek's maybe a good example of that to go back. Is sure. How is he? Get, he's getting paid to share wisdom, right? Yeah. How did he get there? You know, and so even someone like Simon Sinek, for example, has to have some sort of framework of what he's selling, what he's offering, and what his why is, right? Mm-hmm. So, but more challenging, but fun, I think for but me. Fun. And yeah. and I, you said something about you know, the influencer sort of movement maker that ultimately like the person is the brand. And so I just wanted to interject something that I have learned in working with you, but really just over the last several years of, of running a nonprofit and creating it is that I've shied away from that part of it. And that has been a hard, and I, because I'm like, well, this is about the families in my case, like the families in the heart community or the families of kids with chronic illness, or Mm -hmm. I don't really want it to be about me. I want it to be about other people because I care about other people. I want people to feel welcome into the story. I don't want to be me, me, me. Okay. So that's sort of my, you know, that's my default. But what I've learned sort of the hard way is that I think I have missed out on some growth opportunities, to be frank, because I haven't interjected myself more. And I'm learning about that and trying to figure out what that looks like. And so I'm just sharing that because I think there's a balance if you are building a brand or an organization or you know a movement is that you have to also be brave with your own story. And, and while most people would say, Jessica, you are brave with your story, you're very vulnerable. I am, but only to a point. And so I'm learning about that. And I've learned about that through working with you. And it's it's sort of a nuanced insight, though, that I've been thinking a lot about. So I just wanted to throw that out there because it's easy to 
especially when you're working in a marketing campaign, I'm putting marketing in air quotes, like the selling, it's like, it's other, but it's like, it's really about the vulnerability of being open with, about ourselves, which is scary and uncomfortable sometimes, right? Correct. Yeah. And I think that's the first piece is um, it's okay to be afraid of being vulnerable, but you, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to overshare everything that is right. the challenge in your life. It's, you know, at the end of the day, we're just, again, it all goes back to relatability, right? You know, humans are humans and they relate to humans and they need to feel human, right? And so the important thing to think about is, um, is your story something that could help others see themselves through your pain or your experience? And if the answer is yes, then it's really important to share that, but it can still be shared and and discovered tenderly too, right? So, um, and I know it's hard because again, we sometimes we relive that pain a little bit when we're in our stories. So. Right, right, exactly, exactly. So you talk about when we're talking about brand storytelling, you talk about the macro story that is going on, and then you talk about like sort of the micro story, which is like the ongoing story. So will you sort of break those down for us and tell us why they're both important? Yep. Yeah. So brand story is we defined it earlier is kind of your your who, what, when, where, why, who cares, right? Um, inviting them into your mission. So now we want to get practical and talking about what does it look like to find it and activate it. So as you mentioned, the, the macro story is really we're defining uh, and then integrating. So we first have to make sure you have a solid marketing message. And that is supported by a, at least one story to make you relatable. Because the thing is, if it is not strategic, a story really falls flat. Like a story is special, but it has to be strategic. And so what we do is we create a framework first of that who, what, when, where, why, how, and who cares, but we always lead with the why. So you're not introducing your title, you're introducing your mission, you're inviting people into that mission, and then you're leading them through what I would call the sales process, but it's relatable through story, whether it's a founder story of how the business came to be, whether it's just the passion you have for it, whether it's you saw something, you experienced something in your life, saw something happen to someone else that just made you angry and, and you felt like you had this, this desire to change the world or start a business as a result. So for me, it's really more about we're creating, discovering, and blending the message that sells and relates. So again, marketing and then relating, connecting. Um, and then what we do is we, I said we define it first and then we have to integrate it because now we have to make that into your elevator pitch, your um, maybe your social media bios, your website copy. And I'll step back for just a second and explain why this is important to step one, because when you think about a brand, you know, and a brand is just the perception that people have about your business, what that you want them to have about your business. Your brand, if you think about it when you when it's activated, is oftentimes a logo, it's consistent fonts, it's consistent color scheme. Um, you know, you know, Coca-Cola, like you know every time it's at that red can, it's that that scripty logo. You just know what you're getting all the time. So that's the visual brand. But the problem is what I found in business is they have power and consistency in that, even the photography, but like their message is all over the map. So you need to have that defined because you need to tell people how to talk about you, not the other way around. So when that message is consistent, it's just as powerful as a logo. So your framework and defining and integrating step one, your marketing core message with a supportive story is step one. So, and if you already have that, 
Awesome. That's great. So then, then you're, you know, further into the next phase. So that is the macro view. Um, and I can talk about the micro view unless you have any questions about that. No, go for it. Go for it. So the micro view, then we're like, okay, we've defined your story. It's on your website. It's on your social bios. Like you've had your elevator pitch. So now we're consistently sharing and talking about you the same way every time. So the beauty in that is that now that you have more clarity, you're like stronger in sharing your mission. People are buying, you know, they're, they're more likely to buy from you now. They're relating to you. Now we want to go into the phase where we're relating, continuing to relate. Because marketing we know is never, we have to keep doing it, right? Mm-hmm. The micro version of um, brand storytelling is really continuing to discover and relate. So your core message is done. So now we have to um, keep discovering where we can find these core stories. So typically when a client works through me with their brand storytelling um, discovery process, there are so many questions in there that um, are meant to elicit rich information intentionally so that they can take some of that information and then start to continue to activate with stories um, in their marketing um, ongoing, whether it's social or brochures or whatnot. So let me break down what micro, the micro part of brand storytelling really means, this ongoing piece. So first is we have to make sure that you feel, know that you have stories to share. You have tons between you as the business founder and owner, your clients, um, even people who aren't clients but have had, um, I don't know, concerns or questions. I mean, we are always like discovering these stories along the way, even people in your like family circle who might've had influence in your business or the catalyst behind it. So these are really important, um, you know, stories we need to mine and share. And then what I just encourage other businesses to think about is, you know, if you don't have these stories that are obvious as we try to find them, what's hard in your business right now, you know, I share sometimes on LinkedIn, like, man, it really sucks sometimes. You know, there's times mm-hmm. where I don't make minimums where I'm in the red on one month because it's it's just hard to run a business sometimes. And sometimes I have abundance and other times I don't. But I think it's important to even share that because I think it helps people relate to like what we see isn't always like the raw, raw piece of, you know, like mm-hmm. being in business. I mean, it's hard. Um, and so we look through even common threads and themes in these micro stories that we can continue to share on social in conversations, always never forget one-to-one conversations. Stories are still important, even in our ongoing sales conversations or with clients. And then we always make sure that those stories lead up to your why. Um, with that in mind, because stories are really important, but they need to align strategically. So, you know, what what are transformative stories that we found in your business with your clients? So, um, and I'm probably maybe all over the map with this comment, but you know, the macro story is like defining and, and getting your core message, but these micro stories are like continuously ongoing mining, finding these gems, sharing these gems and doing it in a way that's strategic. So it activates and blogs in your reports, your podcasts, sales pitches, sales decks, presentations, things like that, even podcasts, you know, what stories do we have if you're getting featured on something that shows relatability to what you do? So mm-hmm. that is that's the that's the important piece too is we don't stop with with the big one we keep relating ongoing so you sound humanized as yeah, a brand and cohesive right and cohesive like you're activating the story Correct. all the time yeah yeah mm-hmm. so you have five tips for effective storytelling and I wanted to just go through those and then I want to talk just a little bit about um 
personal brands and social just quickly before we end, because I think that those are things that people are interested in. Um, So what are five tips for effective storytelling? Yes. So I will give you the top five and I will unpack these a little bit. So the the number one is that stories have to stay relevant to the mission at hand. Um, They need to lead up to your why. So that's number one. Number two is don't sanitize your story. Number three is be courageous. Number four is to make your story multi-sensory. And number five is to edit the story length only based on the platform limitations. And so I'll kind of quickly go through these. But um, so number one is keeping your story relevant to the mission at hand. Um, A story is just a story if it has no purpose, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But in business, again, we have to be strategic with our communications. So um, I would love to share the time that I first saw the ocean and how magical that was. But before in a sales conversation, it has nothing to do with my business, right? That's not going to convert you to, um, you know, maybe hiring me for photography or for brand storytelling. Um, That's just a feel good story. So, you know, but when I share when I got really sick and how I saw this power of story when I shared my own, that's usually a more powerful message because people first, like they see me and they're like shocked that I could have even been that sick, but just seeing that the power of that is really important, even for my personal level and how it can help them as a business. So that's number one is the, the, the story has to be strategic. Um, the second one, and this is probably one I would emphasize so much, and this is the hardest one for, for business owners, um, influencers to grasp, is you cannot sanitize the story. Um, so let me let me um, dive deeper into what sanitize me. I actually looked up the Merriam-Webster definition, and this is so perfect, is to sanitize means to make something such as text, literally said that more acceptable by removing, hiding, or minimizing any unpleasant, undesirable, or unfavorable parts. Hmm. Um, So a sanitized story means you just don't have impact. Um, The only way stories work and have ever worked is when they are dynamic. So there's usually, you know, I wouldn't say in every case there's a hero and a villain, and the villain could just be a life circumstance and then an overcoming, but there has to be this, this dip that happens to make it dynamic and then sort of the heroic end to it, even if the heroic end is still ongoing, right? Stories mm. can be ongoing. So, um, so that's really important to not sanitize the story and to not make it too generic, like use details, um, use pain, but you don't have to go, you know, crazy deep into it, but people need to feel that emotion. So descriptors, pain, um, you know, describe this the sensory piece of it, right? Like what were feelings did when you were experiencing loss? Do you remember sitting on a cold concrete floor and just feeling the coldness as as you know you were mourning the loss of of someone or something? Mm-hmm. Right? Get that descriptive. Um, you can you can use a few words that are powerful. But when you sanitize it, um, you lose the impact. And unfortunately, I see this a lot happening in the nonprofit world, and it just doesn't work because um, people want to know more. They're desperate to know more and to relate. And when you sanitize your message, um, you allow others to make up the story for you. They fill in those gaps for you. That's not what you want. It's your story to share. You have to control that narrative. So don't sanitize a story. So the third point is to be courageous. Um, so that's kind of segueing from the, um, the sanitization of your message is that it requires courage to share that mm-hmm. too. If the story that you're sharing is your own 
and it's the genesis of your business. Um, what we're doing is we're, even if it's hard for us to relive that pain, what we're telling someone is that they're not alone in that journey. And I use the Me Too movement as an example of that. I know it's really tied to sexual abuse and um, and overpowering in, in that context. But, but at the end of the day, someone else just wants to understand that there's someone out there like them. It's another Me yeah. Too, right? And mm-hmm. so that's what's really important is, as a business, when you share your story and you're courageous in that and it's not sanitized, you're coming along your donors, your clients, uh, customers, and you're saying, um, I've been there, there is a way out and I'm here to help. And that's really important in the, um, the, the cons or the, the pragmatics of sharing your story. Um, the fourth one is, is make your story multisensory. That's very important. Um, we are multisensory humans. So if you have uh, a really powerful photo. You don't need as much copy, but the both can be very powerful. Video has sound, music, movement, animation. Um, that's really important. So try to make it multi-sensory if you can, even if it's simple. Just try to find a way where you're combining both and try to use quality. Um, start with what you can do now, right? We don't have big budgets. And even though I you know, produce a lot of content, like it's just, it's hard for me to even keep up with that on social media sometimes. So just mm-hmm. do the best you can. What we're fighting against is the reason I, I mentioned is multisensory and quality is because we're fighting against an oversaturation of mediocre content. And so if you're intentional with this, um, with, with all of the points I'm saying, not sanitizing, being brave, being courageous, making it strategic, your stories, are gonna, your stories will cut through the clutter. And that's very important. Um, and then the last point is number five is edit the story length based only on the platform limitations. So obviously with social media, a social media bio, there's only so many words we can use, but how can you invite your uh, prospects into your journey through different creative forms? So if you have a blog, you can use more words and imagery, um, but you can break that down into maybe the, the paragraph that has the most impact for a social media post. And so you don't have to create multiple pieces of content and make it overwhelming. Just choose one big one and then break it down to make it bite-sized for your audiences. If the headline, if the paragraph or the image is powerful enough, they're going to stop and read it. And they'll stop and read it if they're already connected to the mission. So obviously an elevator pitch 60 seconds or less, but you know, video can be longer form because people expect that. So that is what I would recommend is the five practical steps of integrating your storytelling and, and discovering and, and also just being um, practical with it. Yeah. No, those are such good tactics because I think it's really helpful to break those things down. So, I mean, I mentioned personal brands and I mentioned social media and I love what you said about quality content because it's just a good reminder because sometimes we just throw things out there just to be out there because we haven't planned ahead and we're busy. But it's a good reminder to really think about what you are putting out there. And and so I I wanted to ask you about, you know, if, if you are a personal brand and you are trying to grow that and it is a saturated, I mean, the world is saturated with information. I mean, sometimes I can't even look in social media and I love knowing what other people are doing. And I love observing brands, but like it, in your opinion, like, is it posting every day? Is it just having some quality content? Is it like, 
what is, I mean, it's a big question, but what's generally like a strategy that you have seen as effective if you're trying to get your message out there, you're trying to be authentic, but there's only so much that you can do. Yes. And so, and it's hard because this could be an entire podcast. Yes. And we could do that. We could do that. (laughs) I think, and that might be one we could do in the future, but um, yes. And it's hard because I I always want to give these like 10 practical tips, but sure. uh, But, but also not make it too generic. So I would say it's funny. I just went through this, um, I wouldn't call it a masterclass, but this kind of group coaching about social media. And the first thing I want to just emphasize is that uh, marketing and humanity and, and business connections have long existed, even for a personal brand, long before we even had social media. So to over, um, what's the word I'm looking for, to think that social media is the only way can be dangerous. So just remember that marketing mm-hmm. is- That's a good point. And you have to think about, you have a lot of owned content. So um, there's owned shared, paid, and um, earned media. That's how I break down marketing. You probably understand that. So your own content is your website, your blogs, e-newsletters, things like that. And then the shared content, because you might own the content, but you don't own the platform. And the Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and TikTok, they can change the rules tomorrow and then you're all stuck to it, right? So that's that's shared content, you know, media, which is where social media falls. So, and then earned is more like publicity, um, PR, um, client testimonials, paid media is obviously hard dollars, right? Which is to really see, I would say traction is where you have to go on right, social media. Right. It's a pay to play situation a lot of times more than we want to realize. Yeah. Yes. And so with that in mind, I just want to emphasize that, you know, just try not to over overthink social media, but to answer your point, Jessica, is um, what's the simplest way you can share information that is meaningful? So you don't have to get this high-end production photo shoot, even though I recommend good quality photos and content. But like, could you just share something once a week that is very meaningful? If you don't have that bandwidth for rhythm, once a week is at least a good starting point. And what would be relevant? Like, what are you hearing questions from, from your prospects, from your customers and your clients? Like, what are some common things? Like, don't reinvent the wheel, right? Like you're getting ideas for content all the time. What are stories that they're sharing? Are, are you willing to share that story? And then how, you know, make it really simple. Is it a post in like a, a short paragraph? So make it really simple, but also balance um, stories with selling too. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. what I look at is I love talking about brand stories, but I still need to kind of, I need clients, you know, like I'm right, right. in my studio right now and I know what my overhead is and, and I, need, right. you know, I need business, right? And I'll give you, let me give you an example of that is like, I might share, um, some sound bites from this podcast to, to really explain what brand storytelling is and try to get business leads. And I might interject that with a story about a client I worked with who came on set with me to activate her visual brand story, right? Sharing more about what she does conceptually through the images that I'm photographing of her. The second she walked into my studio, she said, my dad would tell me I'm too fat to be here today and I don't deserve to have a photo shoot. And this woman is middle-aged. Wow. Right. So that's a painful story. And I asked her if I could share that if she's ready for it. And she eventually mm. said yes. And so so at some point I'm gonna share, you know, like what a brand story telling yeah. you to share that. And I'm gonna talk about a client who has had a raw situation and then talk about the hope 
behind that and say, you know what, like, we need to stop listening to these voices. Your story isn't someone else's story that was passed down to you. Your story is your own story. So it still has context to the strategy. It's relational understanding. It's impact. It's encouraging for others who have heard these negative voices in their their heads all the time. It's also the thing I fight against on set is women who coming in with bad confidence because of of crappy people in their lives. And Mm. I'm selling the thing I need to sell because that's the service I'm offering. So I don't know if that helps to make sense. Um, And then we can dive into personal brand too, if I didn't cover that. Yeah, no, no, I think it's good. I think I just wanted people to get a sense of where you could start. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the pieces that I wanted to, to piggyback on that is being courageous and not sanitizing your story. If you only have, you know, you are only going to be out there a little bit, make it something with that, because I think that's how people relate to you. And I wanted to bring up one thing in our work together um, that I just thought of was that we were going through my brand story that you wrote for me and I read it and I said, Oh God, I do not like my story. (laughs) Right. I mean, I, it's honest. And I was, I was actually thinking about it this morning. Like it was beautiful. You did an amazing job. It wasn't the writing or the creativity or the words, but I read it back and I was like, good Lord, that's an awful story. Who wants to live that story? And it's mine. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that was, I mean, I physically felt uncomfortable when I was reading, reading and reviewing it because I, number one, I, it's like, that's, this isn't the story that I wanted. I had Mm -hmm. a totally different idea of the story that was going to be my life so far. It's not finished yet. There's more to go. Um, And second of all, it felt very vulnerable because I'm like, oh, geez, like, you know, my biggest fear, it goes to my biggest fear is pity. And my Mm -hmm. biggest fear is people being like, I feel so separate from her because she's got this, this situation, you know, I don't want any part of that. Mm -hmm. And, and yet, you know, and I was thinking about this also this morning, it's like, that's actually the calling on my life, which Mm -hmm. And so sometimes the thing that we don't like, whether, you know, the woman walking into your studio saying that I'm too fat to take this picture, because that's what my dad always said to me. Mm-hmm. That's not a story she probably likes about herself. But that in that story, so many women are going to relate to her. That right. is going to be a portal for her, I like to that through line to which she can connect with people. And so for me, what I thought about was my ultimate goal is I want to be a teacher and an influencer of people to help them reach their full potential so that they can grow through the challenges that they're in front of. I can only do that if I'm getting honest about my story, even the one that I don't like. Right. And so I just wanted to like throw that out there for a minute and say, you might have a story that you don't like, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't find a way to integrate that into your business, into your into the work that you're doing. Correct. Yeah. And I love, first, I want to say, Jessica, I appreciate your vulnerability in sharing that because we've had some conversations yeah. about like it's hard to relive the story. And I think part of that is because you're just reliving that pain. And so sure. uh, I want to talk about a point you, you kind of touched on earlier is just to first hold space for what you're going through too. Because even when I read your story, like I, I get pretty emotional reading it. Cause I just think, my gosh, how could one person go through this? Right. Um, and just, just wondering where the redemption is, but, but I want to point out that there is almost always a redemption story. That's the beauty mm-hmm. of story. There's usually some ending 
that is more altruistic and beautiful than what we can imagine. Um, stories are always in process. Um, so we're still healing. We're, we're still learning. We're still trying to process pain. So even if the story feels painful for you, um, it's, you know, it's not your final piece, right? This isn't chiseled in stone. Um, and pain in a weird way gives you some credibility and in, in like the mission that you have to, even if it's really hard to read. So um, so I try to encourage um, people, whether it's your personal brand, um, you know, the, the you that's out there sharing wisdom or whatnot, or a nonprofit or whatever it may be when there's a painful past to it is just remember like part of what you're doing with your mission is also actively rewriting your story, right? It's, it's you're not stuck in that place, but we might be stuck there right now. Uh, and mm-hmm. even I'm telling you, I have to go back to my functional medicine doctor. I'm having... <laughs> more setbacks with my health. Hmm. It's really hard because I keep thinking, when is the cycle going to end? But, you know, what can I use this journey for to keep resharing my story and remind me of the mission at hand? So, um, and it's just hard. We just, it's hard to relive the pain, but, um, you know, with time comes healing too. And and this isn't, this isn't, it's a comma. It's not a period. That's the best way to say it. So. I love that. I love that. I feel like there's so many more things we can talk about. So will you come back sometime to talk some more? Yes, I would love to come okay. back. Okay. I'd love to talk more about personal branding and all of that kind of stuff. But I've been asking all of my my guests this season this question. And so I want to end with it. Um, this season, I'm focusing on who we become mm-hmm. and what we create mm-hmm. from the heartache we witness and the adversities that we face around us. And so what I'm wondering is, what do you like about yourself? What What is like, you like, I like this about Michelle because of the adversities that you faced in your life. Like what has, what has been birthed out of it that you really like? Mm. So the, the words discomfort, resilience have been top of mind for me lately is um, just, I think, Growing up in some challenging childhood, you know, a little bit of a challenging childhood environment with um, with family who tried to love me really well, but, you know, kind of out of their own trauma, um, illness, even I found out I'm a highly sensitive person, which is really more highly sensory, which means we're just very highly empathic and intuitive, but we also experience pain very deeply um, even to my chronic illness. And um, we had a very, very traumatic family situation that happened about eight months ago. And it was like, just, I mean, it was, there was some violence and it was just, I mean, the stress, I couldn't even ex- ex- describe, you know, like shock, medical shock. Right. And I keep thinking, my gosh, like what, what more can, can, can I take right now, you know, with all of this? And I, I just, my nervous system just can't catch up. Um, and, and then, and I'm part of a coaching group for highly sensitives. And the thing I keep, they keep harping on that I'm learning is discomfort resilience is that hmm. uh, I think now that I'm uh, in my forties, I look and I'm like, life is just always going to have pain. You know, you can have your work go well, you can have your finances go well, and you can have like an issue with your family, right? There's always going to be, right. something. there's always something, everything. And, and so, but am I going to fixate on the pain or can I transform what I'm experiencing into, um, it's not that I don't want to like acknowledge the pain. It's just, how can I like live with that and understand it? I'm going to learn from this. I'm experiencing this. 
this isn't forever. Very few things are, are permanent. Even if they are, we often find ways to continue to live with that. And how can I embrace discomfort resilience? So I, when I look at like, you know, my little five-year-old Michelle, I think, you know, it's a both and scenario. I can both have a challenging life and some health issues, and I can be an admiration that she has still started a business. She has a studio. She has really awesome clients. She's on a podcast today with a really great human being who is like also missional. And I can still, you know, have both, right? I can have pain mm-hmm. and still have abundance, whatever that looks like. And so discomfort resilience is like the way that I'm moving through these hard seasons versus letting the wave crash on me and just be knocked out by it permanently. Right. So that is the thing I've been chewing on. And I'm also in deep admiration of as a, as a human being that is still evolving in her own story. So, yes, I love that. That's beautiful. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I've loved this conversation. I, again, I'd love to have you back again. And I really hope that people will relate to this and embrace it and see how their own story is super powerful, whether they're have a personal brand, a nonprofit, a, a business, um, and that we continue to use our stories to make impact in the world. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Jessica. It's a wonderful day today. All right, I'm going to stop recording. Thank you for joining me here on the HeartStrong Podcast. Please rate and review this podcast and share an episode that you love with a friend. Because when you do, you help us grow our mission of encouraging people to grow through the challenges of their lives and to live their full potential. We'll see you next time.